Oh, good morning. If you want, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be focusing in on um, verse 14 and 16. I'll read the context to you, though, as well. Um, but before we do, I just wanted to make some preliminary comments. One was Dan is on his way back from um, Israel on Friday. So make sure you keep uh, the team that went to Israel in prayer um, for their safety and their return. Um, also, our missions conference is coming up. It's coming up this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Um, Indian food will be provided, so you'll want to come and eat. It will be delicious. And the speaker who's coming, will you're going to very much enjoy. Um, the ministry that they have that's happening over there is phenomenal. Um, and he came and spoke for uh, about five or ten minutes, about six years ago. And those of you who were here remember what a delight it was just to hear him for a short amount of time. Um, but he's got a lot of things he wants to share with us. And I know he'd be greatly encouraged if we pack this place out. So we're, you know, small groups are to join here. Um, it's from six to eight, and we're going to have a great time. And you're going to want to hear what God is doing over there. It's incredible. The integrity that they have, they... Just the um, support that they receive, they take only less than 3% this last year is what they use to manage everything. Which if you know anything about ministry, that is phenomenal. The other 97 point whatever percent went straight into the field. Um, so anyways, with that said, um, make sure you're here Wednesday, 6 o'clock. Remember, Wednesday, 6 o'clock. Be here. We'll join together. We're going to have a good time. And I think that, oh, one other thing I wanted to add to the leaven thing. Um, could I have people stand who helped with the leaven or brought stuff to participate in the leaven? Could I just have you stand for one minute? Um, I know there's a lot of you. So it was phenomenal. Thank you so very much. You guys can be seated. Um, Pete G'day called me to let me know that we... Uh, Oh, before I tell you how much, um, Ron Guffey made a prayer on, on uh, Saturday morning. And his prayer was, Lord, I'd love to have 12,000, but I assume we'll get 10, and I'll thank you for it anyways. And um, Pete called me last night and told me that we re received over $12,000. Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. So thank all of you. Um, both Ron Guffey and Pete wanted me to thank all of you. Um, huge. That all goes to Levin, to our tutoring, tutoring ministry. And our tutoring ministry has the goal of helping kids with their homework and sharing Jesus Christ with them. It is a two-pronged two ministry, much like Jesus, healing people and preaching the gospel. So um, that is a huge um, support to that. And um, Pete wanted me to also say, and I saw it myself, I, I was like just a proud pastor yesterday watching all you guys um, function with the neighborhood and caring for people, helping them carry things. In fact, Pete told me that he had numerous people tell him that they've been to no other rummage sale like this ever, that the people were so friendly and so helpful, and you just shined for Christ yesterday. And it was awesome just to watch, to stand back and watch you guys. So thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Ron Guffey did an amazing job organizing, and you guys, without you guys, though, he had been stuck in the mud, so thank you so much. Well, let's dig into the scriptures. 
So would you pray with me before we start? Father, we just come before you this morning. And we are so grateful to be your children. We're so grateful that our life has meaning that we know the Father in heaven who is good to us, who carries us in our dark times, who strengthens us in our weakness, who upholds us, who will one day take us home, never to face difficult times again. But in the meantime, Father, we're just so grateful for your spirit. We're grateful for your Christ. We're thankful for our salvation. I'm just thankful to have a family, the church, that you have created by your spirit. Father, we just ask that you would drive anything from our minds right now that would get in the way of hearing your voice. Father, open our hearts and our eyes that we may see, that we may hear, that we may behold the wonders of your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our conference is, the whole theme of it is shine. And so I... um, Rachel Williams came up with the idea and um, Rachel Williams, Rachel Warsbach came up with the idea. And so I'm going to speak on the verse that goes with the whole concept of shine and that's Matthew 5.16. But before I do, I wanted to tell you a story. Um, I have incredible kids. Um, I I love my kids. I'm proud of my kids. I know I probably shouldn't say that from the pulpit, um, but I'm going to anyways. And at one particular time, I went to pick up Daniel from school. And he was in his first grade class, Doc, Mrs. Herbert's class. And I was like with every other parent standing outside the room waiting for our kids to, to get out of the dungeon called the classroom. And they usually come out rather quickly because they want to get on with their day, right? You know? And um, so I'm waiting, and they finally open the doors, and kids come funneling out. And if you know anything about my kids, my kids are rambunctious, have lots of energy, and they usually don't sit around a lot. So they all started funneling out, and Daniel was waiting and waiting, and pretty soon they start trickling out, and there's no Daniel, and pretty soon no one's coming out, and still no Daniel. And so I walk over the door, and I kind of peek my head in, and I look around the classroom. At that point, you know, as a parent, you love your kids so much, you start to get a little a little agitated, like, where's my kid? Um, <clears throat> and I poke my head in the door. I don't see Daniel anywhere. And I finally look over at the teacher. I'm like, my son around here somewhere? And she says, oh, yeah, he's under the desks. He's, he's sweeping up. And I thought, I wonder what he did wrong. You know, got in trouble, you know. She's making him clean the classroom is what I thought. And, you know, not that my kids would ever do anything wrong, but... Um, that was the first thought that came to mind. I wonder if he got in trouble. And so we walk out of class. He comes out with a big old smile, and we walk out of the classroom. And I said to him, I said, what, what were you doing sweeping the floor? And he said, I wanted to shine for Jesus. And it was one of those moments that you're like, my kids are getting it. It was just such a sweet moment. I was so proud, you know. It was one of those times where you're just like, if I could freeze this. And, um, but that's what he was doing. He was under the desk, sweeping up for the teacher, And making the classroom nice because he knew that that was different and that was something God would want him to do as a servant. And I thought that is amazing that he understands that Christians are to shine in a dark world. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is that Jesus calls us to shine forth as his people in a dark world. To do that, I'm going to read a section of Matthew. We're going to read the context just so we have a background of it. 
And in, in Matthew 4, 23, it says this. And he went throughout all Galilee, that's Jesus, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown down out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is going throughout Galilee, and he is healing everybody, so much so that he is becoming famous very quickly. Everybody who's brought to him is being healed, and word spreads. It spreads north into all of Syria. It spreads east throughout the Decapolis area, which is modern-day Jordan, and it spreads to the south throughout Judea. This is without the internet. So word is going everywhere. Everybody who's brought to him, he is healed. Jesus is showing that he is the kingdom of the world, that he will start his new creation, and he's begun it already, that he will restore all things and has all power to do so, and no one can stop him. There is no disease bad enough that he cannot heal. There is no evil strong enough that he can't cast it out. And he's showing his power in an amazing way. And he's being compassionate to everybody who comes to him. And word spreads all over. And so there's this huge crowd following Jesus. And he takes a break. And he walks up on a hill. No doubt to get up high enough so people can hear him. He walks up on a hill and he sits down. And the disciples take the front row seat. And he begins to teach them. The first thing he starts out teaching them is what kind of people, 
what kind of characteristics the people of God are to have that are part of the kingdom of heaven. And that's what everybody knows is the Beatitudes. That, that we are to be a humble people, a people that long and thirst after righteousness, a meek people, a people who are merciful to others, a people who are willing to be persecuted for Jesus' name. Because we know what we're going to be given. And there is nothing too great to suffer in this life for the kingdom of God. Because what is coming is so overwhelming. So he begins to tell them what kind of people they are to be. And then he goes and he says these profound words in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Now when you read that, we read over it far too quickly. But when you read the idea that you are the light of the world. You've got to understand that that word is held for the creator of the universe. He is the one who showed up on the scene of darkness in the beginning and created the heavens and the earth and put light into the world. He is the one that gave life to people, which is the light of God himself, creating people in his image. He is the one that is said in John 1.5 that John talked about last week. This is the message we have heard from him. And proclaim to you that God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. We're also told that Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So you understand when you read these words, don't read them too quickly. It should shock us that Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. That's a profound statement. This is in the scriptures in various places, but here's one other verse just to show you that we're called the light. And this is a great verse. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. You see what that's meaning? That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and he rose to dead, rose from the dead in victory and is seated at the right hand of God with all authority, power, that when you put your faith in him, he put himself in you through the Holy Spirit. You become a beacon of Christ. You become the light of the world. Jesus isn't saying, someday I'll make you the light. In the future, you will be light. He's saying you are the light of the world. That's an incredibly profound statement that God himself is emanating out of his children in a dark and broken world. And if you know, when the world is talked about, when light is talked about in John 1, Jesus comes to the, into the world and it says that the world, the darkness, tried to overpower him and it could not. That there is this huge conflict between the world and God because of sin and brokenness. And God is shining forth his light. It's a healing light. It's a light of life. It's a light that gives guidance and understanding. It's an exposing light that shows us our sins so that we can repent and be healed. But God has made 
you, his agents. There's nowhere else in the Bible. There's no other vehicle that's talked about. I think it's interesting in, in John 9, 5, Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am in the light. I am the light. Which kind of gives you the, the idea that he's going to pass this on. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light. But now he's made you the light. You are. If there's anything you get from this sermon, I want you to understand, because I believe our identity is so important to our function. If you do not know who you are, you will not be who God wants you to be. You are the light of the world. That is a prof profoundly glorious thing. God has made you his light, his angels in darkness. An amazing thing. He is the source. He takes residence in us. And we become his reflectors to the world. We become his transmitters to the world of gospel light. You're his agents in a dark and broken world. So if we're the light, what are we to do with it? Well, verse 16 tells us, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Now, if you take a second and you think about the Sermon on the Mount, it should kind of jar you a little bit that he says, Shine before others so that they may see your good works. Because in Matthew 6, on the Sermon on the Mount, one of the big warnings of Jesus is to not make your righteousness be out before men. That your righteousness, in fact, in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. How is it that Jesus commands us to shine before others so that they may see our good works and then condemns? I think it's one of motive. Notice what the Pharisees do. There's two kinds of, two kinds of light. There's a light like at Christmas, right? You, you, you put your Christmas tree lights on and you kind of go, wow, ooh, ah. It's a light that draws attention to itself, right? It's a decorative light. If you will, that was the Pharisees. They wanted people to go ooh and ah. There's another type of light. It's called a floodlight. It shines on something else to make something else the object of attention. Does that make sense? Namely, God. And so what the Pharisees were doing, as you notice, they wanted to be seen by them. Also, they wanted praise from men. Christian lights are very different from that. We're like floodlights. That we do good works... Because God has prepared them beforehand for us to do. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. We do our good works with humility, with a brokenness that the Beatitudes talk about, with a gratitude, a longing for righteousness, a purity of heart that wants to see God magnified so that he is. 
It's a different kind of thing. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, let your, shine, your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In other words, it's not a decorative thing where the attention's drawn to you. It's the very opposite. You become a floodlight for God. That when people see you do good works, it's not like, yeah, I'm good. It's like, how can I not do good works? For a God who is so glorious and so good to me, who has redeemed me by his son's own blood, who puts up with me every day still to this day, and I don't get that. If you know anything about yourself, you should be bewildered that he gives you breath. If you're anything like me. That even on your best day, you still fail. And he loves you still the same. That he has compassionate, he is compassionate towards you beyond description. How can we not do good works in gratitude and show, live out our lives in such a way that we do it whether anybody's looking or not? But when people are looking and they say, oh, that was really nice. You simply say, how can I not be nice when God has been so good to me? When all he does is good to me, how can I not be good to others? It would be a contradiction of being a Christian, which is possible according to Jesus, right? The warning in verse, four, verse 15 was, how can a city on a hill be hidden? Do people take a light and hide it under a basket? No, but it's possible. You know, John talked a little bit about covert Christians. You know, that we've become a chameleon, that we're unseen. It should be the opposite. People should notice us for the distinct character we have. Not that we're trying to tell them, do you see? Do you see? Do you see? Yeah. No, but they notice that you're different. Because Christ lives in you. And your light emanates because of your character. And when you see someone who has a need, you step into the moment. Because you want them to see God's goodness through you. And you want them to magnify him. In fact, it is a profound thing that, look at this. It says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Right? Right? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The give glory is the others, not you. You do that by nature of what you do. But the end result is your character and your humility and your love for God is so evident that they raise their hands in praise of him. Because you naturally do. It's not something that you have to put on. It's just something that you are. You are the light of the world. Let it shine. We live in a dark world. I was talking to a young man yesterday. And we were driving to deliver some stuff for some people. And we were talking about the fact of gangs. And gangs are an interesting thing. Because anytime you talk to somebody who's in a gang, they say, this is my family. They are so desperate for love and to know that someone has their back and cares about them, that they will affiliate with anybody. 
Even people who, when they make covenant, know full well that if it's me or you, it will be you that goes to jail. If it's me or you that's going to take the bullet, it will be you. Now, they'll tell each other the opposite, but what has happened throughout history is the same old thing. Christians are very different. The Christian family is very different because we get paid on the backside. Why do you suffer persecution? Why do you go the extra mile? Why do you do all these things? Because God has promised you a future and glory beyond description. He's promised you love and a home that you cannot fathom. They don't have that backbone. You do. You have the ability to lay down your lives for others. And should do it joyfully because your Savior did it for you. You are. Not you will be. You are the lights of the world. Let your light shine. And why? Because we have an amazing God. Timothy says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the only God. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our glory is coming when Jesus Christ returns. The older I get, and I know this is true for you too, I long for us to be set free from this world. I long for this blessed hope. It's coming. And any of you who have gone through life a little longer, I remember when I was younger, I thought, be nice to get married, Lord. You can hold off a little bit. You know, kid would be fun. You can hold off a little bit. And as your body starts to age and you feel aches you didn't know that you were going to feel and you don't sleep as well as you used to and you realize that the world isn't as rosy as you once thought, you realize, I can't wait for my blessed hope. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is worth worshiping. The only true God is worth worshiping. He's worth sacrificing your life for. He is worth giving all glory to. And in Revelation, we have this hope. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. There's a day coming for our future that the glory will be so profound in God's presence there will be no other light. Isn't that a weird thought? You think you take away the sun, we die instantly. You take away that light source and life disappears. God will be so much more brilliant and life-giving than the sun. And that day's coming. He is worth all glory. He is worth every good work that we could ever do, pointing to Him, saying, my God is good. How can I not do this? How can I not help you? I, again, was proud yesterday to watch so many people not just selling stuff as though they just wanted a need, but engaging the community loving on the community, carrying things for them, driving to their homes to drop off things because they didn't have a vehicle or their vehicle wasn't big enough. 
showing them that the love of Christ is real. We don't just want your money. We want you to know Jesus. That's what a rummage sale, well, that's what makes a rummage sale special. And you guys did that. We have a mission. And it's the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Our mission is huge. And you have to ask yourself, here's these disciples sitting in front of him. And Jesus is, is saying, you are the light of the world. That means that they have a big mission field. Not all the disciples were going to leave Jerusalem. Some were, some weren't. The question we have for ourselves is, how am I doing as a light? Am I hiding it? Or am I showing forth the goodness of God by the way I live? Am I graciously, compassionately caring for others by the way I live? So that God will get the glory because he's been so gracious and compassionate to me. And one of the things I, I think we're, we're to be... We're to be missionaries in our homes. We're to be missionaries where we work. We're to be missionaries in our neighborhood, right? Fairfield is to be our mission field. But that's not the world. That's not the whole earth. So the question is, for me, is simply this. How, Lord, am I supposed to fulfill the command to shine as your light to the whole world so that you are magnified? Because I don't feel called from Fairfield at this point. Maybe God will call me. I don't know. But at this point, this is my main place of influence, right? Same for you. I think that we can't, or we can never as lights forget to pray for our missionaries. And some of us need to go home and ask ourselves a simple question. Am I giving enough? To provide my extension of the light through my brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. So that lights can be everywhere in this world. So that Jesus can be known in every place, in every tribe, in every tongue, in every nation. Some of us may have to go back home and think, is my cable package too big and should I be spending this on something else? You and I have a mission. We are here for a short time to reach a dark and lost world. And you and I have been handed the baton of Jesus Christ to be his lights. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've been given a command to shine. And that means everywhere. I can do that by supporting Josh and Nicole. Or Josh and Sean and Nicole. I can do that by helping Josh and Alicia. I can do that with helping the, the, the Ackermans or Gina in Ecuador. I can extend myself further because I have brothers and sisters all over the world. And some of us need to ask ourselves, are we thinking globally? Are we taking this Mission, seriously. I don't know. That's only something that you and the Lord can answer together. 
But that would be one of my challenges to myself and to us, is can we do with less so that the mission goes further? And can I be God's book, His light, His source of gospel life in my neighborhood, in my family, where I work, and my surrounding influence. That's what I want all of us to do. I want you to believe, first and foremost, that you are the light of the world. Because if you don't believe that, the rest won't happen. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, His Spirit lives in you. He has made you His light. You already are. Shine. Shine for Him. It is so easy. I think it's interesting that in this passage, Jesus talked about works. He made no explicit definition. Works can be like my son did under a table. Cleaning a floor. Works can be like Carl Warsbach did, where he fixed bicycles in Ecuador so that those who spoke in Spanish had a voice. They had traction to their words. People were experiencing the love of Christ in tangible ways. Now their words mean something. You have those works God has already predestined for you to do, for me to do. They're all around us. Be the light. Step into the moment. Because it was Jesus who showed us what true light was. What did he do? He went to the people. He healed the people. He cared for the people. He was compassionate to sinners. He sat. He ate with them. He took every opportunity to be with the lost. And they were attracted to him. Sometimes I wonder if they're not attracted to me, not because I'm Christian, but because maybe the way I act. I don't know. Because Jesus was the most moral man in the world, and they wanted to be around him. Isn't that interesting? Step into the moment. Take the opportunities. And then do what Jesus did. Share the love of Christ. Proclaim the gospel to them. Do it in whatever unique way, in whatever unique setting. But take the opportunities. You are the light. Shine. We need to shine. This world is getting darker. The lights don't need to be dimmed. They need to be cranked up. Amen? Let's pray.